we're back. A little short-handed today. We're missing the, the fox Apur Bhagat, who's a little bit busy, but we still have the other two. Uh, Anitej and uh, Utsav joining us today and uh, we've taken a little bit of a break. We uh, didn't make an episode last week, so we have to dive straight into the action to cover like a bunch of big, big games this week. We'll start off with obviously the biggest game of the weekend, the North London derby. We obviously have our resident Arsenal fan here. Very, very unique positions coming to the table. Arsenal uh, finding themselves in a little bit of... A spot of bother, but as Roy Keane says, we all believe that they will comfortably survive this season. <laughs> and on the other side of the table, we have Tottenham for the first time in, since 2014, finding themselves on top of the table with 21 points. And they come into this game with both interesting form. Uh, Arsenal struggling in the Premier League, but their midweek games seem to be going as well as possible. And the, just the opposite has happened for Spurs over the last couple of weeks. Decent Premier League results, but really poor results in Europe. So, uh, coming into this game on Sunday, what do we expect from both the teams? Arsenal obviously had a very, very disappointing game against Wolves the last time out in the Premier League, whereas uh, Spurs probably would have bitten your hand off if you offered them a draw away at Stamford Bridge. So, contrasting forms in the Premier League, what do you make of Spurs, Anitej, and what do you make of Arsenal this season? Yeah, I mean, Mikel Arteta came out and said that this is like the perfect fixture to like turn things around because, you know, form and everything goes out the window when it comes to like derbies. So, I mean, if he can manage to get a win, then it, it could just probably be the turning point of our season. But if he lose, then it's like 11-point gap to the top of the table and that's going to be so hard to claw back, even even though the season's like so crazy. Um, Spurs, I mean, I think they've surprised the majority of the people with the way they're playing. The results they've gotten against um, United and then City. Chelsea it was pretty much pretty drab. I mean, we talked about how Jose would set up against these these uh, big oppositions and tough teams. And it seems like he's just going to rely on counter-attacking. But it's going to be interesting to see how he go, like sets up against Arsenal because... He's usually got a number when whichever team he's managed, like United, Chelsea. So, I don't know. Like, Arsenal's there for the taking, I feel like. But is he going to try and attack them? Because Arsenal usually do the same thing. Like, you know, set up, like, deep, play a low block and try countering against the big teams. And the only sort of hope that I have is that, like, a... We're playing away from home, which is weird, right? Because our home form is usually good, but this season that that's just been so bad. So playing away from home, maybe we can like nick a result, like a one 0 victory. That's that's the only way I see Arsenal getting a result from this. But um, yeah, like, what do you guys think about how Mourinho's? Yeah, I was do just you gonna, think gonna... so since before we just go to Spurs, I think before our last podcast, we hadn't like Arsenal have now lost two Premier League games back to back, right? If I'm not yeah. Wrong. Uh, so I mean, no, they, no, I mean, they, drew they, against they haven't Leeds. won in three, rather. Yeah, they haven't won yeah. in six. They won one in six. They drew against Leeds and then uh, have, they've only scored one goal in the last three games, mm. which came in the loss to Wolves. Like, what do you... So, I've been, like, looking at, like, you know, all these random, like, fantasy things about Aubameyang and stuff. And, like, what do you what do you make of the system? And do you feel like he's not use, using his best players in the right positions? Or do you just feel like it's the system that's sort of squeezing out the attacking intent from players like Willian and... About me, I... I feel like he's been he's been forced to like chop and change a lot. And 
where when like with a team like Liverpool and all that's fine because those players have been under Klopp for such a long time, but with Arsenal it's like you can they they can only play well with a certain personnel. But when those people are out, like Thomas Partey and El Nenny also, he seems to be like a an Arteta favorite. Um, when those players aren't playing, it's just like the system goes for a toss and like it's just not fluid at all. Um, but that being said, like the number of goals we scored this season has just been so bad. Um, the Europa game actually was really, really good. Like the fans were back, and I don't know if that played an effect, but they played some really nice football for the first time in a really long time. But I don't know if that's gonna translate to the Premier League against this Tottenham side because we essentially played all the kids. And I don't think none of them will start against Tottenham, but that was some really good football. If if like the first team, the if the senior players can implement that, then going forward, maybe against Spurs it might not work out, but going forward it could be good. But yeah, I don't, I don't like Spurs drawing as well this midweek. They played a pretty strong side. I don't know if that would translate as well to the Premier League. Yeah, that's interesting. But anyway, you were gonna you're gonna ask yourself about Spurs. Like, do you do you still believe that Spurs are title contenders itself, like based on what you've seen from them over the last couple of weeks and especially these last few weeks I think especially the Chelsea game you know like we were saying that obviously Mourinho does have a good track record against the big teams but Spurs especially seems to always lose at Stamford Bridge and to get a point away for them was like a huge huge result and it just kind of shows you where they're at, at as a club you know able to actually get results at these bigger bigger uh, games and what what do you make of their title challenge first and then you can maybe talk about this game after. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me that I said, you know, at the beginning of the season was the fact that the center backs, the whole defense, that was the issue for me. That was the question mark in terms of is this team strong enough to truly contend um, over the whatever nine weeks or whatever it is, ten weeks that things have gone. I mean, obviously, they've coped really, really well. I think there have been games such as this midweek game. Granted, it was obviously, maybe you can argue, not full strength, but even that West Ham game where they are still prone and susceptible to that defensive breakdown, which I still think if there's a if there's one area that's going to hold them back, I think, in my opinion, that would be it. And then maybe you can argue if Harry Kane were to go down, what happens then? But at least this year, they've made a signing and, you know, Vinicius to, you know, um, make up for that. In terms of, I mean, like you said, though, the biggest thing is, as well, kind of, in the last couple of weeks has been, you know, will they be able to contend um, in these big games, right? Especially, like, prime example would be the Stamford Bridge game. And the City and, game you know, right before while, that, right? And the City game, of course, of course, of course. And, you know, they've shown that, I mean, this counterattacking style is going to work perfectly for them, especially with the way that Kane has kind of developed into being able to drop deep, send Son through, send Lucas through, send Bergwijn through because of the pace that they have. So that's really, really going to benefit them. Like, Bergwijn, like, if he had finished that chance in the first half where he kind of cut in on his exactly. right foot at Stamford Bridge... That was a huge then, chance, exactly. Yeah. If that was Son, that's a goal, I feel. At least a shot on target, exactly. right? Like, yeah. yeah. So, that's the biggest thing. I guess Alderweireld should be back soon, um, earlier ahead of schedule. So, that will be a huge, huge thing for them. And then Doherty is going to come back from COVID. I think he played midweek, obviously, Regulon. And then... So, things are definitely looking good. For me, for this game, I mean, 
I want Arsenal to get a result. I would love for Arsenal to get a win. I just, the biggest thing is I just don't see where it's going to come from. You know, that's my biggest thing. And that's what you asked any page and I was kind of also going to ask him was just the fact of, you know, what would need to change for us to be like, okay, Arsenal has a chance. Because in my mind right now, sure, you can say Arsenal gets a draw, but like, it just feels to me if I had to choose who's going to win this game, I'm going to choose Spurs like eight yeah. times out of ten. Yeah. But the only thing that I would add on, you just spoke about Harry Kane being fit and everyone being fit. But like, right, uh, Mourinho came out and said that he might not be fit for this game. And then there's Toby Alderweireld who's injured as well. So I feel like maybe that could tip the scales in our favor. But yeah, if, yeah like Kane doesn't play. So I know so Kane didn't play on Thursday. He's definitely still a doubt. But I guess Mourinho said that he's he thinks yeah. that Kane will play. If Kane doesn't play, that's huge for sure. But for even sure. but, uh, I yeah, think even I, I was kind of talking just yeah yeah. But I guess the, you could also argue that he didn't play last week though, and they still at they Stamford do, Bridge yeah. they they didn't concede a goal. But I mean, definitely entertaining um, for sure. I'm hoping yeah this would like you said form goes out the window in these kind of games. Yeah. So the biggest thing they need is just like Aubameyang. If Aubameyang starts to get going, you know, like it's kind of that it's not even effect, that but it's effect. It's not even it's his fault. It's hardly his fault. He's though, right, exactly, literally not yeah. getting any. Service, oh no 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 you know? no! I I don't I don't think it's his fault per se. But I think if there's someone to get the goals flowing, it's gonna be. Yeah. Him. Uh, it's it's certainly not gonna be Lacazette. This is scored, just. But like. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just a matter of like getting the ball into the box. That's that's literally what right. Arsenal have to do. They have to figure out a way to get the ball into the box. And if they do that, then yes. things will get better. So, speaking of teams that get got the ball in the box last weekend, Southampton couldn't defend uh, the United through balls. In one of the more exciting games of the week, United finally won uh, a, a game against a top-half Premier League club against a very good Southampton team who've been on form. And uh, they now travel to the London Stadium to face West Ham. So, we have, like, that's another good game on Saturday um, United have been very hot and cold over the past few weeks. You know, had a couple of good Premier League performances, followed by a very disappointing game in the Champions League this midweek, and uh, just very, very spo- uh, so incredible away form. You know, we've uh, tied the club record for I think seven consecutive away wins or something like that, which is just ridiculous considering the form we've been in, right? So, it's a, a stat that you wouldn't believe United is on a run in away games and, it's, and it all comes down to Bruno's performances. Bruno is, every away game this season, he's either scored or assisted. So, we've had a really, really good record with him on the field and uh, West Ham, we'll just, before we go on to United, uh, I've made a couple of great points about West Ham talking about their defensive structure, how that system is working really well for them with Cresswell playing as the three so that allows him to get up front and actually cross the ball and it doesn't require him to have the pace of an actual wingback. So it's really working well for them. And they've signed Sufal, who's been a really, really good addition. Their uh, Czech Republic contingent with Sufal and uh, Suchek has been a really, Suchek. really good addition for them. I met both of them in Prague when I was studying abroad there. I actually oh, yeah, yeah. You, only, you, you told them to come to the Premier League, right? You're the one who like recommended yeah, it to them. them. Yeah, yeah. I said Liverpool. You spoke to Moise. And they got confused. <laughs> so uh, Bala is actually one of Moise's chief scouts in Czech, so it's worked out well for them. 
but irrespective of who they've been playing we were just talking about Benarama a, a little bit before starting to record he hasn't even started a game but he's looked really electric for them every time he's come on looked really impressive but Fornals and Bowen have been on really really good form so they have a lot of options in that front three Rice has been phenomenal so just a really really good uh, position that they find themselves in they find themselves in fifth place you know and if they win this I game I don't know how this happened yeah, yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous how. Tied on points with Southampton and Wolves, one point behind Leicester, two points behind Chelsea. So, really uh, fan- fascinating time to be a, a West Ham fan, to be a Moisey fan. But coming back to United, what do you guys make of what you've seen from United over the last couple? Maybe talk a little bit about West Ham if you want to, but more about United and what you've seen from them over the last few weeks and what you make of their away form and Bruno's form and Cavani and everything to do with United. Um... So the biggest thing for me, which I, you know, made a note of in our agenda is, and this is not something I looked into, but just every single time because I've been betting, I kind of will look at the lineups frequently, and it seems like they seem to have a consistent lineup recently. In recent times, you know, barring injuries, you know, with the back four, it seems pretty set. They seem to be set kind of on this Fred McTominay because Van de Beek just came take pictures and Pogba's you know seemingly out of the picture and then obviously in the front four there is going to be some sort of rotation between Cavani Green Greenwood also kind of seems to be on the fringe in the last couple of weeks but you know with Rashford and Bruno so they seem to at least have some some consistency and some some a settled starting 11 which I think has started to help them you know they have looked you know good in games going forward I think Cavani you know obviously we um, there were a lot of jokes made about how he's just, you know, going to be another one of those Falcows. But he's, I mean, in that Southampton game, you truly saw what has made Cavani great in Europe with those mm-hmm. goals. That mm-hmm. second header, it's just like, how do you even get your head in that? <laughs> I know. That how do you even, no, think even before like, that? I would that, never dude. think to use my head. Even before yeah. that, there was a header and like he got to it, but it just went past the post. And I thought that was like a brilliant attempt. He's like so good at heading. Yeah. So I think that's been really, really good. I mean, it, it, I obviously I'm not a fan of Bruno Fernandez in like from on a personal level. Obviously, <laughs> very very good player, but I actually added him in fantasy this week because I had some leftover yeah. money and I was just like it just seems stupid not to because yeah. the one thing about United and I put this as well in the agenda is it seems to be their games seem to be pretty high scoring or at least you know there's a lot of action going on. So if United does score, he seems to somehow get involved one way or the other. So I mean, I think you know. The consistency is definitely something that probably needs to be worked on, but I would say the last couple of weeks slash month has looked a lot more encouraging than, you know, the weeks and months prior to that for them, at least. Yeah, they finally, like you said, they looks like some settled squad, and I think he's, uh, like, tinkering with the formation a little bit. We played that diamond, and, and it actually seemed to work well at Paris still. Fred decided to have a kick at every player that <laughs> ran past him. And it was working well when we had 11 men on the field, you know. So it was just an, an unfortunate result in the end. We created a lot of chances. I don't know if you guys saw Cavani's chip that hit the post. That would have been so close Martial? to being such a great goal. And then Martial's Martial. miss. Oh, my God. He looks like our biggest liability on the on the pitch right now. You know, whenever he's playing, he's, he just his hold-up play is horrible. He, like, receives the ball and gives it straight away. So that's something that we really need to figure out. And I think Cavani being in the squad is actually such a good thing for that aspect because dropping yeah. Martial will like probably like, you know, make him buck his sock like pull his socks up a little bit. But another interesting tip is the two and a half goals. Do you feel like two and a half goals is like a good bet? 
considering that what you said yes. about United and everything and yeah so typically you know any single time it's around like two and a quarter two and a half goals you know if it's good teams involved usually it's always not a bad bet I think because at the end of the day you're just looking for a 2-1 scoreline which really isn't that much to ask for and then on top of that I think with West Ham and United so United you know if you're operating under the assumption they're going to score West Ham's playing at home there's going to be a goal and then there's just going to be action the third goal will go from come from somewhere so I, I don't think it's um, a bad shout at all compared to because a lot of the over-unders you'll usually see are set at like three which is like a lot of goals you'd need four to win and both these teams have like seemingly good defenses in that they've not conceded too many goals but uh, they're, like they're not they're not like they're not great though they're both like like they both ha- are susceptible to the odd I mean uh, I don't know about United but like West Ham's defense seems to be solid like they've only been conceding so to like really good teams so, I don't know, United? Yeah. So, uh, so you're saying United's not a really good team. <laughs> 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 no, not that one. Okay, anyway, speaking of really... Do you think really... they'll win this, Ashwin? you think they'll win? Uh, I think so. I mean, I think it's... They have to start winning. Like Anitaid said, away... United have had a bizarre record this season. Have been far better away from home and, you know, like, not as good at home. So, I actually think we will win it. Because I watched the last couple of West Ham games and they have slowed down a little bit in terms of their attacking output. Like you, like Bala mentioned, I mean, and we mentioned earlier in the episode, Benarama had to come on and rescue them in both their last two games. And I don't know if the Algerian wizard can do that again, three games running. So let's see. It's going to be an interesting game, but if I had to, like, really bet it, it's been a long time since I've gone into a game thinking that we're going to win. So this is one that I definitely will be devastated if we don't. So that being said, uh, speaking of good teams, like Anita said, the good teams that managed to score against West Ham, we had Chelsea hosting Leeds this weekend. And um, without a doubt, the most impressive team over the last few weeks have been Chelsea. I think their defensive record speaks for itself. They've put up a phenomenal defensive record over the last few Premier League games, having only conceded one against Sheffield, I think in their last like eight hours of Premier League action or something absurd like that. Their defence looks really, really solid with Mendy coming in. Um, again, their defence was constantly chopped and changed last season, but there seems to be a, a consensus best four now with Reese James like pulling Aspilicueta out of that position. Now they have like a very, very solid back four with the keeper behind them. Kante seems to be back to his like best form. Maybe not his best form, but he definitely looks better than he has in the last couple of years. He's genuinely making a difference on the field. Then go ahead I think it's say. not a coincidence that Lampard put him back into the deepest of the midfielders, exactly. and immediately you see results. I mean, that he's whole just making a difference. The field was, yeah. And um, in terms of their front four, uh, they have prop. And this was an interesting thing I saw the other uh, day, and I wanted to take. I wanted your guys' opinion on this. There was like a consensus on Sky Sports on one of their talk shows that Chelsea have by far, maybe not by far, but. Easily right now the best squad in England considering like you know Liverpool's injuries, City's like inconsistencies, all of that. What do you guys make of that? And uh, before I like let you finish, when you look at, they haven't even had Pulisic play a real game this season. I think he's only started one. Havertz has been in and out of the lineup, but it still looks so settled. You know their attack seems to constantly create chances. They seem to be creating goals irrespective of who's playing. So they definitely do seem to have the most options. Giroud comes on this weekend, scores four goals four. midweek. 
what do you make of Chelsea's squad depth and what do you just make of Chelsea so far this season? We haven't spoken about them in a couple of weeks. I honestly think they've um, recruited well to what Lampard wants to do because it's like, yeah, they do have squad depth and everything, but it's also the system that he plays. Like The players fit perfectly into it. Like we all spoke about how Mount might not get any game time because of Havertz and Ziyech, but he's just dropped them a little deeper. Even that seems to work for them, you know, because they dominate the ball. Um, against these smaller oppositions, they just seem to dominate so much with the ball. They seem to create so much as well. They create through the wings, they create down through the middle. It's just a system that seems to be functioning really, really well right now. And I think, like, when it comes to Spurs, we see a few injuries here and there, and you never know what will happen to them. But with Chelsea, it just seems like they have rotated. Like you said, like Pulisic hasn't even had like a proper game yet. But if he comes through, comes in, I feel like he'll do a job as well. So in that sense, they just seem like a well-oiled machine right now. And I don't see any, like, I don't see, like, I'm trying to think of something to, like, say something about Chelsea that, like, will give <laughs> me hope, like, because I hate Chelsea and everything <laughs> they stand for. But I just feel like there's nothing right now that I can think of that like derail what they're going through you know mm-hmm. so yeah except Mendy getting injured and I'm having to bring yeah. my Kepa there's Kepa. nothing else Kepa's the only basically so this is us this is something that I found uh, uh, you know after this week and I don't know you guys might know it you guys might not know it but a quiz question for some of you listeners out there will that I found oh, was actually... um, Frank Lampard is the first British manager to top a Champions League group since when and who, if you can remember the last? Wait, a British David manager? David Moyes, 2014. British manager. David Moyes, 2014. No. Oh, so this is the Champions League only. Brit- no, it's Champions is, League. is uh, Rogers considered British? Yeah, of course he is, but he's Northern Irish. Yeah, but I don't think he topped the group. No. Oh, this is a good the one, actually. Was... Uh, the year was what? The year was 2010-2011. So it's been a while. Hmm. Sir Alex Ferguson? No. <laughs> British manager. 2010-2011. Oh, wait. British manager? So it has to be Premier League. Right? I mean, where else have they had success, British managers? I don't know. 2010-2011. Which is a random team, man. Is Harry it Shakespeare? Redknapp. It's Harry Redknapp. Yep. Oh, Harry Redknapp. Wait, but I, I have yeah, a feeling a... United topped their group. Moises. Oh, so I think I think the caveat might be having been in charge for all six group games. So I don't, was Moyes? Uh, maybe. Uh, I have one source saying British and one source saying English. So that might Yeah. Moyes did, however, have a positive start to his first Champions League campaign with the club. United finished top of their group after winning four of their six group matches. That was Yeah, so that might be the... It's probably English manager. Yeah, it's probably English. But yeah, yeah so it's... I mean, regardless, still been a while, so... Yeah, exactly. I think English uh, manager, then it definitely will be Lampard next side because there's nobody been ever there. And since so their Champions League form, again, is something that is, again, a cause for concern for all of our Chelsea haters because that's something that yeah, they... Yeah, because... They've looked really impressive. Exactly. You know, Chelsea did not need to win by that margin as well. They, you know, they didn't set out the B lineup per se. They still had some solid players, but you know, they definitely rested in certain areas. Sevilla was at full strength, and 
No, Sevilla is form in, in like the Champions League, yeah. Europe or whatever. Like It's like 14 games, 15 games unbeaten. And at home, they have a really impressive record as well. So for Giroud They're very to do tough that, to beat away. And, and Chelsea just smashed them. And even the games against Rene and stuff that they were playing, they would always play a weekend lineup and I'd always be like, what is this guy doing? And they'd always come out with a win. So it seems to be like everything's just falling in their favour right now. And it's just a matter of seeing whether they can actually put you know, consistently do this for the course of the season because that's what they struggled really a lot with last season. And uh, speaking of uh, Lampard's like past like legacy and especially his like managerial career starting at Derby, that was a, f- a problem Derby had as well. Where they would, they started the season phenomenally well and then dropped off significantly towards the next part. And that might have something to do with uh, Bielsa sending spies. <laughs> the Tavi training academy and that rivalry is like restarted in the Premier League and you know there's nothing better to see so they've had an interesting couple of games as well uh, Leeds their last most recent game was a impressive win to Everton created a lot of chances that game it was a very open game and uh, that the, yeah. their French keeper Ilan Melier had a phenomenal game I think he made like 8 or 10 saves that guy is actually a phenomenal shot stopper and it seems to work with the way Leeds play. They leave a lot of open spaces for teams to take shots. So having a good keeper like that makes a huge difference. This, uh, their new signing, Rafinha, got on the score sheet and I was, yeah, I was impressed so impressed with him. with him that I had to had a quick ad. <laughs> you know, I just thought he was like really, really impressive. Looked absolutely electric. Every time he got on the ball, he was trying to make things happen. And uh, he, I think he could really hold the key to them playing against Chelsea. Chelsea do leave a little bit of space behind, so he could use that to exploit them. What do you guys make of Leeds? And uh, just talk about this game and just give us a final prediction for this game from both of you. Yeah, I thought so Leeds... So I think, you know, oh, go on. Leeds... I think Leeds has been good, um, definitely. But honestly, just with Chelsea's form, I think, especially playing at home, I don't think they'll win by a lot or anything, but I, I, I feel like Chelsea will probably just take the three points home. I think Leeds have though like gone the Chelsea way in the sense that they've tried to tighten it at the back a bit because I feel like they don't even have the legs to carry on what they're doing like at the start of the season. So they have become defensively better. They got a nil draw against Arsenal, even though it's against ten men. Then they kept a clean sheet away to Everton and Rafinha with that brilliant goal. So I think they have become like a little more conservative that way. But yeah, like I still think Chelsea have it in them to win this game. And yeah, so with that, we'll just... So those are the Sunday games and we just have a couple of quick uh, games that we, we'll also talk about before we conclude today's episode. We have Brighton-Southampton, which is uh, surprisingly... I mean, it, it's going to be a good game, but I, I would expect them to be a little bit closer on the table than they actually are. Brighton are 16th with just 10 points, you know, just four points off the relegation zone. Whereas Southampton are 17 points in 6th place and are in a really, really good position. They've only got one point from their last two games, which shows you how strong their start of the season has been to find themselves still in 6th position. Uh, They had, again, like we mentioned earlier in the episode, they had a very, very disappointing game against United, going 2-0 up and then, you know, coming back and losing that game, not even getting a point out of it. So I think they'll have a lot to, to come out and prove this week. Um, Ings is back in training, which is a huge sign for them because they've definitely looked a little less potent in attack when he's not there. His like clinical finishing just gives them like this element that you know a lot of teams don't have. 
So uh, another, like we mentioned Theo Walcott and <laughs> I literally just thought it was going to be like a flash in the pan, like a 30-minute performance, but he's been really impressive. You know, he's continued his form. It's almost like being back at his home club, you know, has like rejuvenated him a little bit, given him a little bit more enthusiasm for the sport and like given him a spark. Uh, what do you guys make of Hassan Hootl's the job he's doing? And, you know, we uh, we discuss his, the 9-0 and ever since the 9-0, it's been a really, really positive set of results and circumstances for Hassan Hootl. So what do you guys make of his performances? And just yeah, the, what Southampton have been able to achieve? The Walcott thing is pretty interesting because um, when when they bought him, like everyone pretty much thought he's going to play the, the usual traditional winger role that he's used to. But... Now they're playing him down the middle, which is what he wanted and like wanted Arsene Wenger to do back in the day, but it didn't work out. But now it seems to work out because he's playing in a front two with Che Adams. And yeah, it's good to see him do good things for his boyhood club. But um Southampton, like I don't know, dude. They've the they had a tunnel lead and they like blew it against United. I don't know if that's gonna be like a turning point in the season again now. Because Brighton's a pretty hard team too. And especially at home. Like I feel like Brighton can play good football as well. Yeah. And speaking of former Arsenal players who couldn't make it at Arsenal, we have another Ooh. former Arsenal legend at the wheel at Brighton. And uh, you know, we, we were talking about when you guys were texting about the Liverpool-Brighton game, I was just watching that game and I was just thinking to myself, if Brighton had a legit way to put the ball in the goal, they'd actually be a serious... You know, contender for the top half of the table this season, but they find themselves like really lagging behind because of that lack of a finisher. But Welbeck has definitely made a big difference in the way they play. He gives them those legs to like you know stretch the game out a little bit. They have a lot of creativity in that team, but they have really nobody to like finish off those chances. And now he's scored a goal. He got the assist against Liverpool for the penalty, and uh, had a decent enough outing against Spurs as well. So. What do you make of that, Anitesh? Did you expect to see this from him? And you seem to have rated his performances over the last few weeks so highly that you wanted to add him into your team. So, <laughs> what do you make of him and his performances? And, I mean, not if you want to chime in on that. I feel like he's always had it in him. Like, he, even at Arsenal, he's always had these streaks. Like, he would go on, like, two, three games, contribute to our goals, in term, like, goals and assists. But it's just his injury record. I mean, I think against, um, was it against Liverpool or whichever team they played previously, like he went down again and everyone was like, the commentators like fearing the worst. But it's just a, I guess it's just like a, like hamstring thing issue that he had, like cramp. But yeah, like he, we all know his ability. Like he came through Manchester United, went to Arsenal, played at big clubs, played big occasions as well. Um, but it's nice just playing at bigger clubs. <laughs> he's made his stuff off like Amy Martinez. But uh, he's doing a Shakiri. Yeah, I mean he's it's just his injuries, man. Like we all knew we all know he's an England international as well. I mean, Brighton have done well that way, right? They've signed like Lalana and Wellback and both of them seem to combine for a goal like a couple of weeks ago as well. But yeah, Lalana like, came on last week guy. and went back off. So yeah. Lalana's injuries are like, yeah, like really, back. really sad. So no, I think the creativity thing is definitely a good point on Brighton's end. You know, they have creativity. They play really, really attractive, easy on the eye football. But that true finisher, 
true someone that can you know get you like those 12 to 15 goals that you hope for to you know push yourself to the top half like a Callum Wilson type of player is what they kind of lack and I think um that's kind of setting them apart but I do I do predict and I do think that we won't see them hopefully fighting in any relegation battle um they are down there though months. they're not like they are down there yeah. they're 16th but I think they have enough quality about them to you know but at the same time, the Premier League this year is pretty, pretty competitive besides, like, Sheffield, the Sheffields, the West Broms, the Fulham. Yeah, Fulham got a unlikely victory as well last, last week. But, um, yeah. what do you, is, 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 is Lamptey going to be available for this game? Because yeah, he got suspended, he's back, right? he's back this yeah. week. Yeah. I think he's back. So, I think that will make a difference. He got a straight right, right? So, he'll be back. So, that's a huge, huge bonus for them as well because he's been electric on that right wing, you know? And, like, he really gives them a dimension to their game that... They might not previously have had, but another. So the last game of this week is another very, very. It's a fascinating game, and you know, uh, it's Liverpool hosting Wolves, with um, Wolves having a very, very interesting week, having had that devastating injury to Jimenez at the beginning of the game, but still somehow managing to go on to win that game. So they've had a very, very hot and cold. Uh, uh, they've also had. Up and down form. Their last three games, they've lost, drawn, and won a game. So we don't really know what Wolves to expect. They've shifted to a back four, which I find very interesting. And yeah. I and I also think, in terms of when I watch their games, it doesn't seem to have the same defensive stability that the back five does. And now with Jimenez gone, I think they might have to sacrifice that fifth defender anyway to add like those few more goals that Jimenez is like just pure talent gives them. So it's going to be a really interesting thing to see. I just Hope for the best for him. I really don't know if we'll see him again this season, but hopefully we will, and hopefully he'll be, you know, fit enough to play a no, I, part I think, in the Premier I think, League. I, I mean, obviously, I think they're going to really, really proceed with caution, considering it was a fractured skull, and especially with all the protocols um, in the game today. But based on everything I've seen and read, it seems to be going in a positive manner. Mm-hmm. So I do think that, you know, we will see him. It might be a little while, but I, I have a feeling we will... Um, we will see him back. Yeah, bad luck I've seen needs it. Some people have been saying it six months. Like you might be out for six months. Six months. I I would say this season is like a tough like this season to expect him to be back this season I think is tough, but we'll see though. Hopefully hoping for the best and I hope I really hope he's back this season because they do have Fabio Silva who will come on to replace him. And who was their record signing? But he's only played like I think ten or twelve like first team games for Porto even, and he played his first Premier League like few minutes against Arsenal. So it's going to be interesting. He didn't look particularly bad against Arsenal. He has like a good touch, and you know he looks like a pretty exciting talent. You know for an eighteen-year-old striker. Uh, Anitej, you had something to say about? Yeah, I mean, before. just uh, I feel like the standout player of the season has uh, has been Pedro Neto. I think he's been brilliant for them and. In Jimenez's absence, I expect him to get more involved in like the goals and assists. So yeah. That's yeah, cool. and definitely Pordens as well has been like a really, really good addition. Yeah. You know, Pordens was someone that I didn't think could actually do that job of replacing Jota, but he's done a fairly decent job of like providing the same sort of qualities to the Wolves team. You know, that little bit of creativity or goal here and there. He definitely doesn't have as many goals in him as Jota does, but. Speaking of Jota, he's going to be facing his former team this weekend and he's definitely been Liverpool's standout player this last couple of weeks, getting that all-important goal. Uh, did he score against Ajax? It was 
Who scored no, against Ajax? No, it was uh, Curtis. It was Jones. Curtis Jones. My bad. My bad. It was Neko Neko Bellingham. Yeah, but the keeper did well. Yeah. I thought the keeper actually yeah. got the assist. I forgot about that. <laughs> so yeah. he um, it's gonna be a big no. big game for Liverpool because now Klopp can't complain about the twelve o'clock Saturday. So you might have to find a different excuse if they don't get the result on Monday. But that was a phenomenal interview. I don't know what you made of that interview after the Brighton game. I thought it was one of the most bizarre things, and I'm 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 happy that Des Gell, whatever that guy's name is, actually stood up for himself. Because Klopp just goes after these guys, and they all just smile and like you know let him say what he wants to them. But what did you make of that? And what I mean, I, mean, I, I understand the validity the guy, of the argument, but I don't I don't think. I don't think anyone's ever questioned his sanity. He's definitely insane. So that's been well established. But, I mean, you know, obviously, like, it's probably a little bit... I think it's. I think his concern is fine, but the extent to which he's gone with it is probably a little bit over the top. Definitely. Um, but, I mean, at the same time, like, he's, he's probably just you know salty about it because i mean at the end of the day like every single time a liverpool player comes on the pitch he seems to get injured so he needs to take it out in some way because he's not going to take it out of the players obviously but the one thing that has been you know as a not to get into the game too much but the one thing that has been a positive sign for me and liverpool fans i think is the fact that with these injuries the biggest thing was just not dropping out of any of these races not dropping too many points just kind of staying with it and that seems to be happening very, very well. So that's all we can, you know, really hope for. So we'll see. A couple more guys will be back. Trent will be back. Hendo, Robbo, um, Kita. So yeah, and and I, I thought Gallagher's uh, comments on uh, on um, Klopp's comments were very interesting. He said that that's very Ferguson esque. Or I think it was Neville who said that, and I yeah. completely agree. It's just yeah. shifting all the attention away from that very, very average performance at Brighton. And the entire, you know, talking points yeah, became yeah, just yeah, what did Klopp yeah. say, what does Klopp say. And that was a game that they easily could have lost, you know. And, like, nobody's really talking about the performance. It looked like a very tired performance, especially in the first half. I thought Brighton were, like, far better, the, the far better team in the first half. So, it'll be really interesting to see how this game proceeds. You know, like we said, Wolves have a lot, uh, like, have a lot to prove considering they're missing their talisman. So, we'll see how they set up and how they play without... They're arguably their best play over the last three seasons. So with that, I think we come to the end of this episode. And if anybody has any concluding statements, they can uh, keep it for the next episode because Anitej needs to go to Bangalore. Anitej needs to catch a flight. So with that, he's flying straight to the we terrace. complete our episode. He's flying straight to the terrace. Nice St. Mark's Road. <laughs> See you at St. Mark's Road in a few hours, Anitej. Peace, peace.